Today after second service, we will be having a potluck, just so you know. So if you want to come back for that, it'll start probably around 12, 31 o'clock. So, um, but otherwise, um, keep that in your prayers, what we just heard. As obviously, um, it's kind of a big deal. It's new for us. Um, and we want to do the best we can do as a, as a host um, group um, for a, um, this ministry. And uh, so many hands makes the work light. Uh, it's easy to spread that labor out. Um, probably need three people just for running garbage cans all day long, you know, kind of thing. Um, it's just that labor intensive sometimes. So um, please come to that meeting if you can about the volunteer opportunities. In chapter 22 of Exodus, uh, God is continually or continuing to give uh, them the law. The law, remember, was because they couldn't do it from their own hearts. It was supposed to be that way. That's how it was with Abraham and with Isaac and with Jacob, and they were following the Lord based on their own uh, leading and following and their desire to serve and worship the true and living God. Um, that had waned. These people had come out of slavery for 400 years, and um, God knew where they were headed as far as their hearts go. They knew the pressures of this world. They knew their desire to worship other things. For 400 years, they've watched the Egyptians worship things and created things as opposed to the Creator. And so um, God lays down these laws knowing that they have a tendency to be disobedient in their hearts so that they can see it, so that they can know. We know from the New Testament that the law was meant as a tutor to bring us to Christ. It shows us that we lack uh, we're falling short of what it means and what is required for us to enter into heaven. It shows us that we've broken God's law by having the law. That's how we know. And then it leads us to the next question, what should we do now? What they, the, the, the whole, all 3,000 said to Peter on the, in his first sermon, what should we do now, now that we've broken the law? And uh, of course the answer is believe on him whom God sent. Uh, and, and so... He continually gives us these things so that we can see, this is important, where we think wrong. (laughs) He's fixing our minds. He's showing us. It's a tutor. We don't get to come through the Bible as a smorgasbord and pick and choose what we agree with already and the things we don't agree with that we throw out. No, the things we don't agree with is when we need to be submitted to God's Word. It's only submission when you disagree. It's only submission when you disagree. And so when you come across something in God's Word, you're like, well, I don't think that. God doesn't need to change, and His Word doesn't need to be revised. My heart needs to be changed, is the idea. Always coming to God's Word as the judge of my life, I don't come to God's Word as its judge. I'm not the editor. And so as we go through these, God is going to clear up Actually, in this chapter, a lot of things that maybe we're dealing with today in our country, if we go through it and understand it and read it correctly, and let the Word of God interpret itself, okay? So that's what I love about God's Word. It's like, how did you, how did you plan chapter 22 when this was just happening, just started this week in our country? How did you do that, God? Because His timing is perfect, His Word is perfect, and He knows, look, this is what you need, children, and it's so important. This is what we need as children of God so that our minds get right on these things. We don't want to be chasing the rabbits. I don't know how else to put it. That's the best analogy I could come up with. As Christians, we chase rabbits a lot of time. 
You know, they, they point. And that's how you get the greyhounds to run around the track is they have this stupid fluffy bunny on a bar that goes around. I'm sure you've all been to the racetrack, right, to gamble. Sorry, bad analogy for this crowd. But there it goes running around. I've seen it on TV. Um, backing this up a little bit. There it goes, and these dogs are just chasing this rabbit, and pretty soon the rabbit just ducks out of the way, and they're all like, oh, and they all stop because they don't know, because they're stupid. Dogs are dumb. They just run after what's fluffy and moving and bouncing in front of them. Not that the rabbit's any smarter, don't get me wrong. The idea is we don't want to be chasing the rabbit. We're smarter than that. There goes the rabbit bouncing around, and somebody's wiggling it so that we chase after it. No, no, no. We're children of God. We're made above and higher than every animal. We're not animals. We're created a little lower than the angels, but eventually we inherit all things with Christ and we rule and reign with Him. So understand where we are and where we're going to be when we die or when we spend forever with God in heaven. And so in order for God to take us there, He writes out this law to get our minds right. This is a lesson. This is a teaching. This is for us to learn and to change. So here we go. Verse 1. If a man steals an ox or a sheep and slaughters it or sells it, he shall restore five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. If the thief is found breaking in and he is struck so that he dies, there shall be no guilt for his bloodshed. Now, if the sun has risen on him, there shall be guilt for his bloodshed. He should make full restitution. If he has nothing, then he shall be sold for his theft. If the theft is certain, certainly found alive in his hand, whether it is an ox or donkey or sheep, he shall restore double. Very basic laws there. Very basic laws. One of which is actually used by Nathan the prophet when speaking to David. It's in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 1 through 5. David has had what we would call today an affair. It's just adultery, let's call it what it is, with this woman Bathsheba, whose husband Uriah was at war. Couldn't get any worse than that, really. And so he's had this, and he's got this child now. She's pregnant, and Nathan the prophet comes in, not knowing any of it. Apparently it's been concealed, and tells David this story about a rich man who had many sheep and about this poor man who had only one little sheep who fed it by the hand, let it sleep with him, lived in the house with him. A pet. Well, the rich man had a friend come over, business acquaintance, whatever, come over for dinner. Instead of killing one of his sheep, he took the poor man's sheep, killed it, served it to his guest. And Nathan asked a simple question to David, what should be done? Now, according to God's law, David the king should have said, well, then he should restore fourfold. David didn't respond that way, though. David was so mad, so angry with what had taken place, just like all of us would be if we heard that story. He says, that man needs to die. And then Nathan, of course, breaks the news to him. David, you're the man. You're the man. Uriah's got one wife. You've got a a thousand, and you took his? Not that women are sheep. Don't get the Bible wrong. What he's saying is, look, your sin looks pretty bad on other people, is the idea. He should have responded with just simply what the law says, four sheep. Should have just restored four sheep. Instead, he goes beyond the law, which tells us a little bit something about why God gave us the law. Not only to show our faults, but to also restrain us from our vindictive nature. We've got to stay within God's law. We don't get to go beyond that. Well, here's what I'd do to him. I'd string him up by the nearest pole, and I'd do this, and I'd do that. You're not God. I'm not God. We don't get to go beyond God's law. We stay within God's law. He wants to show us that we have parameters both ways. Things you must do, 
These things he must restore fourfold. And on the other side, you can't ask for more than fourfold. These things keep us in check. And so he's telling him something very simple. Look, if it's oxen, give him five. If it's sheep, give him four. But don't go beyond that. Those are your limits as judges. You can't go beyond these rulings. But you must require these rulings. You must, they must take place. Now, if a thief is found breaking in and he is struck in, that he dies. So in other words, you've got someone forced entry into your home. You find him wandering around your house. You take him out. You kill him. Not your fault. Shouldn't have been there to begin with. Shouldn't have been there. You don't know what their intent was. You don't know who it is. You can't see him. It's dark. Maybe you wanted to hit him in the back, but you hit him in the head instead a little too high. You knocked him and killed him. Hey, no, 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 pro, no fault, no foul, okay? On the other hand, if the sun rises, you can see their face. You know who they are. You can identify them. You don't get to use deadly force in that situation. You need to restrain yourself. You need to restrain yourself for a thief. You know, for a thief. You know, if he's, if he's climbing out the window with some of your whatever you've got that's of value to you, you don't get to blast him on the way out the window, you know, kind of thing. Throwing rocks at him. You can certainly get him or try or just memorize his face and go say, hey, Bob was in my house last night, stole all my stuff. You know, you, you, you'd handle it that way. God's putting restrictions on it. So, once you find this guy, if he's out and you haven't killed him and he did escape and he's got your stuff, he should make full rest- restitution. He has to pay it back. He has to pay it back. If he has nothing, then he shall be sold for his theft. He still has to pay it back, no matter what. This is what we're missing in our justice system. This would be great. I mean, this is, we, we're, I mean, I don't want to stay off a soapbox here if I can, but we got some problems with our justice system. First of all, we give the, give the criminal way too many rights above and beyond the victim's rights. The victim need to have rights also, if not more so, obviously. But, you know, putting him in jail for theft is, okay, I think they'd rather have their stuff back plus a little interest or plus some more. Wouldn't that be better, you know, kind of thing? And I'm all for the work gangs that go out in the little orange vests and do the weed eating for us and all that stuff. It's still not the same as the victim getting their stuff back or full value for it back. You know, God's got the right idea, you know. Sell him. We don't do that anymore, but... Came, come in handy. Now remember, this selling is not, is not slavery. It's indentured servants. Again, this is, you've got to work seven years to work. You've got to work it off then. If you don't have the money, guess what? We're going to give you a job so you can work it off and pay this guy back his stuff. You know? That's the idea. So, And then, um, if you do find the ox in his hand, it's still alive. Remember, before it was sold or it had been slaughtered. If you find it alive, give it back to them, and you give them another one. So if it's sold or slaughtered, you get four. If it's found in their hand, you get Yours and another one back. You double your money. You know, might want to leave the barn unlocked. You know, kind of thing. Be good, good quick profit there. I'm kidding. That's not what God's getting at. He moves on. If a man causes a field or vineyard to be grazed, and the idea is he lets loose an animal and it feeds in another man's field, he shall make restitution from the best of his own field and the best of his own vineyard. These are, these are common sense things that should be natural, but unfortunately we have to have laws because people won't do that. If they can get away with it, they will. They don't naturally walk over to the neighbor's house and say, okay, 12 of my cows just finished off, I don't know what cows eat, corn or beans, they eat them both. Okay, got into your field and ate everything and just trampled it and ruined it. I've got to write you a check, man, I'm sorry. 
Oh, no problem, Bob. It's the easiest profit I've ever made. That, that's how it's supposed to go. You know, sorry. Sorry about your cattle. Can I help you fix your fence? You know, because, boy, that's a lot of money. You just, you know, phew. It's supposed to be a great relationship like that. But unfortunately, like, well, I got him back before he woke up. Maybe he won't know they were my cows. You know, kind of, that's the idea. And so God's got to write this law. And so Fred gets up and follows the tracks back to Bob's farm and says, Bob, look, I don't know use your cows, you know. Law says you got to restore. You got a ten thousand dollar check for my field out there, and I don't know. That don't it's a lot more than that. I don't know. Whatever acreage is ten thousand dollars or whatever. You got to write that check. It's, it's a no brainer. Personal responsibility for your actions and for the actions of your property, your kids, your animals. You're responsible for these things. It's just it should be there. It should be natural. But since it's not, here's the law. If fire breaks out and catches in. Uh, catches in thorns. So that stacked grain, standing grain, or f- that f- the field is consumed, he who kindled the fire shall surely make restitution. No, again, no brainer, right? I mean, it, it's unfortunate he has to list it off. Well, he got my field, but he, he didn't say anything about stacked grain. Okay, well, stacked grain also. What about the standing grain? Fine, the standing grain. This is where loopholes were filled in, you know. And so they're the, they're the lawyer. God has to write in, okay, yes, I meant stacked grain, standing grain. I really meant anything of value that got burnt up, you need to repay. You know? So he does that. It's just common sense. You take care of your neighbor because you love them. Not because you're in trouble or because the judge is really going to get you. Or I'm sorry that you don't have insurance. I'm sorry that you don't have the money. I'm sorry that... But it's not anybody else's problem but yours. It's your responsibility. We're missing that today. More and more. It's your responsibility to make sure you have the proper coverage. If you don't have the cash in the bank to cover it, make sure you have the proper insurance. That's where insurance exists. That goes for everything. That goes for everything. Stop taking from other people. Stop taking from other people. And expecting others to make the restitution, own it. It's my fault. It's my responsibility. Um, Everything that has to do with me is mine and God's. And I go to God with that. But it's not yours. It's not your problem. You know? It's my problem. I need to make right. I need to do these things. Yes, it does say bear one another's burdens. But that that is the caring, gentle merciful, gracious heart of the person. You can't enforce that on them. You can't make someone feel that way. You'd like them to feel that way. You'd like them to have pity. Say, oh, Bob, dude, I can't believe it. I have to burn my fields off too. Oh, boy, that wind came up. That was unexpected. It was a calm day when we started, but the wind picked up and took out that field. Who could have who foreseen that? I know it was a total accident. Now, I did lose a lot, but I, I, I can... I can I don't need all of it. I just need this much back. And that's how it's supposed to work. You know, just because you love each other and because you know there by the grace of God go I. It could have been me burning off my CRP and it caught over in that guy's land. You know, it could have been me doing that. You know, he tried. I know Bob. He's a responsible guy. It's just an accident. You know, that's how it's supposed to be. But it's not, unfortunately, anymore. If a man delivers to his neighbor money or articles to keep, and it is stolen out of the man's house. If the thief is found, he shall pay double. 
If the thief is not found, then the master of the house shall be uh, brought to the judge to see whether he has put his hand into his neighbor's goods. So, yeah, sure, it was stolen. Did you catch the guy? No, he disappeared. Okay, well, we're, we need to make sure that you didn't take the stuff is the idea. For any kind of trespass, in other words, you're on somebody else's property, God's big into this. This is new for, remember, this is new for slaves. Property. What's property? Yeah, they're very excited about having their own vineyard. They're very excited about having their own fig tree. They're very excited about having their own house. They've never had that before. And so God puts these in place so that we understand that. Everybody's excited about that. Now let's just be responsible. If you trespass, whether it concerns an ox, a donkey, a sheep, clothing, or for any kind of lost thing which another claims to be his, the cause of both parties shall come before the judges, and whomever the judge condemns shall pay double to his neighbor. That's fine. You have to just accept the judgment of the judge. You're hoping that the judges are the men that God told Moses to pick. You're hoping they are content and that they're not greedy, that they're not going to take bribes, that they're not going to find favor, which happens later on, by the way. Many Proverbs and Psalms are written about these guys that didn't judge rightfully, didn't judge fairly, didn't have justice on their minds, but had greed. But for now, as we're starting this law off, this is how it's supposed to be, because God has other laws that will cover these judges who break the law. They'll, they, they can get caught too. Whomever the judge condemns, he shall pay double. You have to adhere to the law. You have to adhere to it and accept it. And that's how we keep law and order. You can't go off on this vigilante stuff. You, know, you can't do that. You have to adhere it. Some guys were upset that President Obama let go too many people out of prison. And that's fine. You're, you have every right to be upset. And by all means, petition your congressmen, your senators to change that law so that presidents can't do that anymore. But was fully within his right in the law as a president to do so. So you don't wear masks, go to the nearest halfway house where the guy you wish hadn't got out lives now that he's out of prison, grab your gun, search him out by name and shoot him on sight and execute him. You don't do that. As many people as would like to say, yeah, we got him. I knew it. Yeah, justice was served, man. No, you've broken God's law. You're as much a criminal as the one who got shot. Except if you don't like it, by all means, change the law. Change the law. But the law has to be enforced. This is what I mean by chasing the rabbit. A lot of people are chasing the rabbits here. And you don't even know you're doing it sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was good. I'm glad that happened. Wait a minute, wait a minute. What law was broken when that happened? Yeah, well, yeah, but that's a, that's a dumb law. That's what the criminal thought. That's a dumb law, you know. Got to be careful. We got to be careful. If a man delivers to his neighbor a donkey, an ox, a sheep, an animal to keep, and it dies, is hurt or driven away, no one's seeing it, then an oath of the Lord shall be between them both. There's no judge involved. Bob, where's my sheep? Dude, it ran off. That sheep was crazy. I mean, it went over two hills. I lost sight of it. I mean, it's this direction. That's all I know, but I have not seen it since. Okay. All right. You swear that's what happened? I swear. I swear that's what happened. Okay. That's it. It's done then. Here's the thing, and we have a hard time with that. 
You know, we went into an investigation. I want to hire a, a private eye. I want to put some cameras up. I want to get this thing. I want my sheep back. Look, God saw it all happen. And if Bob was lying to you about losing your sheep that you get, and he actually slaughtered it and it's in his freezer, well, next time you're at your house and you're having lamb chops, fine, you have a little question about that. But until that happens or until God reveals guilt, and he does do that, God reveals guilt if you trust him to do it. He'll bring it out. You don't have to have a private eye investigate someone. You don't have to have all that stuff. You just pray. God, if something's going on here, would you show it to me? And right comes to the surface. God does it. He'll do it. God wants us to just take our word for it. I want you just to believe each other. Even if you're being wronged, even if you know you're being wronged, just believe him. Don't worry. God will take care of you. And he'll take care of that sheep, and he'll make sure you get restoration. He'll make whoever it was that did it to you, they're going to get busted eventually. They'll get caught. They'll get their justice. It'll happen. But as for you, I want you to leave it alone. I want you to let it go. I want you to have that oath between you and him and the Lord to be enough. And the owner of it shall accept that, and he shall not make it good. But if, in fact, it is stolen from him, he shall make restitution to the owner of it. If it is torn in pieces by a beast, then he shall bring it as evidence, and he shall not make good what was torn. I entrusted my sheep to you. I know, the wolves got in, tore it up. Here's the carcass. It's all ruined and everything. It's not cut with a knife. You can see that it's shredded. Yep, the wolves got it. That's it. That's it. There's no restitution that needs to be made. You leave it alone. And if a man borrowing anything from his neighbor and it becomes injured or dies, the owner of it, not being with it, shall surely make it good. If its owner was with it, he shall not make it good. If it was hired, it came for its hire. So, you borrow someone's lawnmower. Maybe it is 14 years old. Maybe it was on its last leg, but you know what? It died under your care. (laughs) Guess what? You need to restore another 14-year-old more. You don't have to buy him a brand new one or anything, but you do need to make it right. Well, you let me borrow one of your broken mowers. It doesn't even sound right in your head. It shouldn't, you know. How could you have given me a faulty chainsaw? It wasn't faulty when I handed it to you. I started it in front of you. You know what I mean? You should just give it restore. These are natural things that should be taking place between neighbors. Unfortunately, you have to write a law about it to make sure that somebody says, well, it was, it was probably broken when you gave it to me. No, you owe it. You owe it. You owe them the, you owe them the mower. You owe them that. Um, if its owner was with it, in other words, you're out cutting wood together and your buddy was borrowing your saw, you're out of luck. Your saw broke while you were there. <laughs> so it's still your saw. But if you loaned it out and it was broken and he was rough on it and was beating on your saw, then he owes it to you. So that's the idea. All right. Now, We get into some capital punishments here. If a man, not this one here, but next few. If a man entices a virgin who is not betrothed and lies with her, he shall surely pay the bride price for her to be his wife. If her father utterly refuses to give her to him, he shall pay money according to the bride price of virgins. I like that. I like that. So you got some, you know, Casanova, you know, and he's, he's got your daughter, you know, and, and, she, and she's just like, I think he's great, you know, and, and this happens, you know, fine, you're going to marry her, and you're going to pay the dowry now. Well, this stops the Casanovas off the bat. If every Casanova out there had to pay every time he violated 
a woman and they were his bride for life and had to take care of them till she died, that would slow things down a little bit, wouldn't it? At the parties and at the drinking scenes and all those things. But I like the second part as a dad. And if I absolutely say, you are not going with that guy. That was a mistake. He's a loser. And you still pay the dowry. Anyway. That's how valuable that is. That's how valuable virginity is. It's not cheap. Any guy that will do that to you before you're married and try to entice you before you're married considers you cheap. Keep that in mind, young ladies and older ladies maybe. You're not valuable enough to them to marry. But God sees it another way. No, that's worth everything. In other words, you're set for life. Now, don't take that the wrong way. You don't sell yourself either way. But that's how valuable God sees it, the bride price. You shall not permit a sorceress to live. That's it, one sentence, dead. Dead. Sorcery is uh, obviously the occult mixed with drugs is the idea, sorcery, pharmakia. Um, um, and that's where that comes from, drugs um, being used for the, you know, uh, getting into a spirit realm or whatever like that. So sorcerers, uh, they don't get to live. Now, as God goes through these death penalties for these offenses, understand that they were going to die eternally anyway. That's important. And if we can make an example out of a few to dissuade others from following their footsteps in the process, the sorceress is going to hell and is going to die eternally anyway. So we're going to do this now so everybody understands. It's a real-life example. What you don't see happening when you die going to hell, we're going to make a visual example for you. This is what it looks like. You die. If you follow this path, you die is the idea. And so he uses it as a deterrent, but also as a, look, it's impending. You may as well be immediate. Death is death either way. Whoever lies with an animal shall surely be put to death. This is bestiality. What they commonly practiced back then, the Egyptians and all the other people that they're going to be running into, this is is it. When you change the definition of marriage between a man and a woman to something other than that, you have no more definition left. You have nothing to stand on anymore. Once you change the definition of marriage between a man and a woman to be something other than that definition which God has hold, you throw out God's word and everything else is allowable. Bestiality is allowable. You cannot say, just because it's offensive now, it won't be offensive in 20 years. Necrophilia, allowable. You can marry your corpse if you want to. can't say, why not? Because God's word, no, we've already gotten rid of God's word. We've already gotten the standard removed. Nothing stops it. What about pedophilia? Why not? Greeks practiced it. Why not? Well, because that's gross. Not much longer. Once you remove the definition of marriage, let me say it clearly, as a man and a woman, monogamy, You've removed all definitions. You cannot pick up the mantle at all and say, well, this is where righteousness We're just moving the line of righteousness over here, and we're moving it over here. There is no more. There is no more definition. Marriage is whatever you says. If it feels good, do it. Therefore, under that definition, anything goes. Keep that in mind. 
He who sacrifices to any god except the Lord only, he shall be utterly destroyed. This is a very important verse because of the next verse that's stated. This next verse has been used in the last two weeks more often than I've ever heard the Bible quoted before. And here's what the verse says. He who, uh, you shall neither mistreat a stranger nor oppress him, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. Has anybody heard that used recently? This verse falls under that previous verse. He who sacrifices to any God except to the Lord only, he shall be utterly destroyed. Can't have one without the other. We don't get to smorgasbord through God's word. Yeah, 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 bestiality, that's kind of gross. I don't know. Yes, we should, we should do this one here. I like this one. Well, I don't know about killing anybody that does. That's a kind of extreme. You don't get to pick and choose. The reason 21 works is because 20 is written. 21 is effective. We don't mistreat any strangers that want to live in Israel during this time under their rule of law. No problem at all. Strangers, come on in. Strangers, absolutely. How can we help you? Can we give you bread? Can we help you get a jump start on life here under our rule of law? But you don't get to just have your rule of law within our rule of law. You can do whatever rules you want, provided they do not contradict or interfere with this rule of law. Understand? Very important. Very important. God gets our minds right on these things. I don't know how to think about this. I don't know which way I'm supposed to fall. I mean, I want to be gracious. I want to be loving. I want to be like Christ. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you think this is bad, what's happening in our country now, you're going to be sorely disappointed when Jesus returns. As he only allows entrance into heaven, those who trust in Jesus Christ for their salvation, all others are sent to hell. Boy, we've got to keep that in the forefronts of our minds as Christians because we can chase the rabbit and get confused about what we believe and what we stand for. Do you know that? Do you understand that? That... If you do not have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this entire world, every other religion out there needs to be absolutely removed and Jesus Christ needs to be received as Lord and Savior for them to have a good life, a great life, life everlasting. It's for the benefit of the world that they receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So important. Chapter verse 21 works because chapter 20 is there. Verse 22, you shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child. If you afflict them in any way and they cry at all to me, I will surely hear their cry and my wrath will become hot and I will kill you with the sword. Your wives shall be widows and your children fatherless. God takes that very seriously. The underdog, those who are helpless, homeless, and he watches the heartless attack them. He sees that. Very important for us to know that. He's watching that to the point where, look, and this reminds me of kind of like, and I'm trying to, there's a lot of examples. This is the only one, cartels, drug cartels. So strong in the family. They take care of their children. They take care of their wives. But you're dead. And your family's dead. And your friends of your family's dead. See, it, it doesn't go all the way. And that's, that's the idea behind that. That's the idea behind that. You need to respect the fatherless. You need to respect the widows. Take care of them. doesn't say widowers. Widowers fall under a whole other category. We guys say, you figured out. But the widows, they get taken care of. The orphans, they get taken care of. God has that heart for them. 
If you lend money to any of my people who are poor among you, you shall not be like a moneylender to him. You shall not charge him interest. If you ever take your neighbor's garment as a pledge, you shall return it to him before the sun goes down, for that is his only covering. It is, it is his garment for his skin. What will he sleep in? And it will be that when he cries to me, I will hear, for I am gracious. He wants us to know that. This is Old Testament God, gracious. Gracious is unmerited favor. Understand that? Gracious is unmerited favor. I'm a, I am unmerited favor. I describe myself that way, God says. I am unmerited favor. That's what, God is all about unmerited favor. None of you earn it. He says, I am unmerited favor. I just give you favor because I love you. So when you decide to lend money to somebody, make sure there's, there's no compounding interest behind it that's going to keep them in, in servitude to you. And if at the end of the day, they didn't get you paid back and you've still got their coat, their covering, their warmth for the night, give it, give it back to them. Give it back to them. And next time, you know, be more careful or I don't know what you do. But the idea is God just says, let it go, you know. He'll make up for it. He does. He really does. He makes up for it. He has in my life. He will in yours if we trust him. If he's our provider anyway, if he takes care of us, if we always give thanks for our food, right? We give thanks. Not because that's the next prayer to pray, but that's because hopefully we stop for a minute and change our prayer from, you know, past our teeth and past our gums. Here, look out, Lord, here it comes, or something like that. You know, you've got something a little more substantial when you're sitting with your kids at the table and you're praying. You say, God, thank you for this food. And we, and we don't want to just thank you for it because that can become rote and routine and we may not even think about it. Thank you for providing this for us. We know that without you, we wouldn't have this kind of food in front of us. We live in a great country where you provided for us and great blessing upon us and we give you all the glory and credit for it. And then you dig into your whatever it is, you know, as you thank God for it. And so since he's our provider, since he does all that, I don't need this guy's coat. And honestly, he'll pay me back when he can. And if he doesn't, I'm sure God will cover it later on. You know, I just have to trust that he'll do that. You shall not revile God, nor curse a ruler of your people. That's again with Romans 13, goes right along with that. I hope we pray for our, all of our presidents. That's a, that's a bad job. You, you couldn't pay me enough to do that job. I don't care if a hundred million will let you be president. Well, I might try for a hundred million maybe. <laughs> I don't want to go meet some dead seal that's come off the plane on an order that I gave. That's, that's a... I'll just be careful with my adjective here. That's a bad job. That's a tough job. So pray for him, whether you like him or not. Whether you like the last one or not. Whether you like the next one or not. Pray for him. God can turn the hearts of kings. Presidents, no problem. Kings are hard. Presidents, no. So pray for them. Pray for the ones that have, are still alive and watching and are living with the memories. I mean, I mean, all the, I don't know who, who's, the, who's the oldest president still alive. Carter, Bush, Carter's still alive, right? Imagine what he's living with. I mean, nobody liked Carter. <laughs> Not even the Democrats like Carter. 
But he did some good things. But imagine what he's living with. Mistakes. Oh, oh I wish I hadn't pushed that. I wish I had Pray for him. Pray for the next one. Pray for the next one. Pray, pray for our leaders. Pray for them. It'll change your heart. It'll get your mind right. It'll get our minds right about these folks. Human beings at best. Maybe they think they're more than human beings at times. But with that kind of power and authority, that would be really hard not to think you're more than a human being at times when you have life and death in your hand. A drone strike is a mere word out of your mouth. That's huge responsibility. Pray for these people and everybody under them because they're surrounded by people that maybe aren't praying for them either. Pray the whole chain all the way down to you and I. Pray for them. You shall not delay to offer the first of your ripe produce. This is a sad law. And your juices. Um, Don't delay. Do you remember the law he already wrote on this? He already said they're supposed to be giving their first fruits, right? So he has to write a second law saying don't delay. In other words, they found a loophole. If I can just wait long enough, I don't know. I just don't want to do it, but the law says I have to. Uh, I'll do it on the 31st, you know hold on to it as long as I can and then I'll just reluctantly release my grip on my stuff. It's my stuff, you know. He has to write this law down. Don't delay. It should never be that way. You shouldn't have ever had to write the first law about giving unto the Lord. It should have always been from a heart of gratitude and thank you for what you've done for me. Abraham is our example, the father of faith, giving a tenth before there was a tenth ever instituted by law, just doing it. And I'm not saying that so that we can pass the buckets this morning. We're not gonna. We never do. That's why we leave the box out there. No one knows. It's between you and the Lord, but it's supposed to be from a heart of gratitude, not from a a reluctant uh, responsibility. And then he says, this law, we can't delay. It's the first check I've got to write. I was going to give him whatever was left over. I might have $20 left over. I could tip God at the end of the month. You shall not delay to offer the first of your ripe produce. How sad that our God had to write that. The firstborn of your sons you shall give to me. Now, he doesn't mean sacrifice. Understand that. He, he Dedicate is what he's, obviously, I hope you know that. Likewise, you shall do with your oxen and your sheep. It shall be uh, with its mother seven days. On the eighth day you shall give it to me. Now, those he does mean. That does, he does mean give those. And this is, goes back to something else, and maybe you didn't pay. And you shall, about the tearing of the beast, and you shall be holy men to me. You shall not eat meat torn by beasts in the field. You shall throw it to the dogs. Makes a distinction there. Seems like a strange law to end a chapter with here, but he makes a distinction. No, I don't want you to be like the beasts who go around looking for dead you know, deer on the side of the road and stick their nose in it and drag the head back to the front yard everybody had, or a leg or whatever they find out there and you got to get them away because they'll get worms. It's a whole other Bible study. <laughs> Not at all. No, I want you to leave it for the dogs. You're above that. You're beyond that. I want you to act like men, holy men unto me. Don't be scrounging. Don't be doing that. If you find someone scrounging, you find someone in a place where they're there scrounging and they have to there's a difference i know there's some that choose to and they have to scrounge remember they're holy men unto the lord they're holy men unto the lord they may not know it themselves they may not be acting like it at the time but do whatever's in your power to make sure that they're at least reminded of it 
that they're holy men unto the Lord. They deserve a sandwich. They deserve a bowl of soup. They deserve to sit at a table. They deserve to use utensils. They deserve that. That's where they belong, and that's where they should strive for. Um, and that's where we close tonight. Let's, let's pray. Lord, we thank you this morning. Lord, thank you for your word and how you get our minds right on things. And we come to your word as uh, students, and you are our teacher. And we have sat at your feet um, this morning, and we receive your word with gladness. Thank you for it. It brings peace. When we know how you think about something and we just have to match that, it brings us peace. We don't have to be anxious or riled. Um, We can have peace in our hearts knowing that we stand with you, behind you, and uh, that you're leading the way. And we thank you for that, God. So, Lord, keep your word hidden in our hearts. Help us to always keep your word in the forefront of our minds and see everything that's taking place in this world through the lens of your scriptures that we might see things like you see things and react to things like you would react, Lord. We look forward to our theocracy with you, God, where you rule and reign, and we rule and reign with you. We look forward to that time where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And Lord, we hope for that and long for that. And until then, Lord, we occupy. We occupy, Lord. Help us to live lives that are pleasing to you, Help us to eat our bread in quietness. Help us to stand up for the plight of the widow and the orphan. Lord, help us to fall under the rule of law. Help us to pray for our leaders, Lord, and to never have a reviling word against you, Lord. Um, Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.